Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you're looking for a bank that is safe and sound, that you don't have to worry about picking up the papers on Monday morning and reading about something bad they've done, um, and you want a bank that's big enough to handle your needs but small enough to do it in a personal way, all that is a hard combination to find. But I've found that at Renaissance Bank with uh, the, the clients of mine that I work with, and uh, they've just done a terrific job very personal in the way they operate. Go to renaissancebank.com and find one of their local offices and give them a call. I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. Now I want to welcome Jeff Fisher. Jeff is a nonprofit consultant. He's also got another business, but we're going to talk about his nonprofit consulting work today. Jeff, welcome. Good morning, John. Yeah, good to have you here. So, Let's talk a little bit about um, your journey. You were at UPS for years. Correct. Talk about that journey and then why you're so passionate about helping nonprofits. Well, thank you for the, uh, the again, inviting me today and uh, yeah. to talk about it. Yes, 25 years at UPS, part of a 40-year career in, uh, in corporate America and global logistics. Uh, retired five years ago, and since that time, yes, restaurant ownership and mm-hmm. uh, some consulting and working with my church and growing that more and more because I see that there's a need out there to work with nonprofits, and particularly the local nonprofits within uh, the greater North Fulton uh, area here in Georgia. Yeah, that's that's terrific. Um, what's What's the motivation there, Jeff, in terms of wanting to give back in the way you've chosen to? A lot of it is just the way I was raised. My mother, uh, may she rest in peace, she uh, was very, very giving of the community we grew up in uh, mm-hmm. just outside of New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, that instilled in myself, as well as my brothers, a sense of giving back. And uh, I've been fortunate, my wife, my family, um, that we've done very well in terms of business, our health, and things of that nature, and to give back and to recognize there could be those, and there are those that are less fortunate. And then just a lot of other good people out there with a lot of uh, nonprofits of different sizes doing what they can to give back to the community, whether that's helping a school child uh, read or uh, giving uh, collecting and giving out uh, food to people, which mm-hmm. we saw a lot of that. And the pandemic raised a lot of that awareness uh, for me and I think many other people. So I'm yeah. just trying to do my my part the way I can do it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's admirable for sure. Um, let's talk about that, uh, I guess, preparation, you might call it, that you went through in uh, that 40 years in corporate America. Um, some might ask, uh, let's see, global logistics. How does that like translate to nonprofits, right? <laughs> so, so why don't you uh, t- draw that out a little bit? No, no, be happy to because yeah. you're right. Uh, the, the first uh, onset. How does the how do you make that connection? Um, well, in that sense, a global supply chain. So many moving parts, mm-hmm. many moving parts from raw materials to. 
uh, making a product to bringing it, shipping, distributing, many, many things. Just think about your own day-to-day in ordering something on one of the major retailers. So I've gotten involved for 40 years uh, on the business side, working with large global uh, 100 companies, Mm -hmm. where you've got to solve these issues. Many, many uh, factors go into it. Well, there's no different from a small business or a nonprofit, that there's also processes that are involved. Granted, not global scale, but so breaking it down. And I see that with a lot of nonprofits as well run as they might be, and some are better than others, that they have these kind of issues where not everything is uh, working as efficiently as it can. And it's those type of things. But I also did, when you when you work in this arena, you also have to communicate well. So you've got to write down a lot what's going on. We call the as is mm-hmm. and the way it could be. We call mm-hmm. it the to be stage. So you have to be able to write a lot of things down, absorb a lot of information, a lot of data, and make that into usable information to say, here you go, here's a plan, and here's how the plan should be executed. And it might be adapted. Right. That's what I've taken to or do take to nonprofits to help them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm glad I asked that question because that that makes a a lot of sense. Now, um I'm not sure what the perception people have out there about nonprofits in in North Fulton. My perception is that most people don't realize how many nonprofits there are in the North Fulton community. They see North Fulton Community Charities, a few of the other big ones, but they don't see how many there are. There, there's. I guess the good and the bad of it is that there are a lot, and you're right. There, we all know the big ones, uh, the national ones, and and they're very good and they're doing right things. Humane Society, United Way, American Cancer Society, all those will go on. And the local right. ones, you're right, that there's many that we know about, and mm-hmm. there's many that go unsung because it might only be a one person operation. It's good people that have the heart and mindset to do these things, but you don't know about it, right? Uh, and uh, the good news is that they're trying to fill a need. Mm-hmm. They need many of them need help, um, and again, many of them work through a church, a synagogue, a mosque. But they need help. So, if I hear about it, I see if I can help, or they hear about me. Hopefully, I can help them. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that that um, all nonprofits seem to have in common, though, is the 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 issues they're trying to address are always much bigger than the people they have to address them either not just the numbers, but just the capabilities. And it's, it's not that people don't have capabilities. I don't mean it that way. What I mean is the skill sets that it takes, Correct. right. Are, are, are so broad that not very few people have all of them. Right. Correct. <laughs> Including myself. I yeah. don't, I don't, I don't have all things. Right. But you, you hit upon something. A lot of the nonprofits that I have worked with, maybe sponsorship through the restaurant or just different things, again, hearts and minds are in the right right place. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times there might be um, they don't have the, the founder of that, doesn't have the business acumen, or maybe the board might be limited in their capabilities either due to the talent or their time. It just kind of varies. Right. There always seems to be a need to be filled. And I think a lot of what I've been exposed to in my 40 year career, and particularly the one at UPS being exposed to so many things in a huge organization, but yet working a lot of times on a small, small projects with nonprofits have learned a lot to at least relay that. Um, 
And there might be a lot of value in what I have to offer. Sometimes it might be somebody, hey, we've done it. And that's okay, too. If I validated something that they're currently doing, Mm -hmm. um, I always find there's something we always can do a little bit better. And that goes with somebody offering me advice as well. Um, But yeah, it tends to be limited on either uh, money or time or talent, uh, despite their best efforts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Fisher's with us, folks. He's a nonprofit consultant, also business owner here in the uh, North Fulton area, former uh, UPS, uh, longtime UPS uh, executive. So, Jeff, how, let's talk about the, the, the nonprofits you work with and what characterizes them, whether it's size, um, uh, what their uh, mission is, what have you. Right. So they're, 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 they're smaller local ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, nothing wrong with the national ones, but they, they, they operate fairly well in terms of they're running it like a business and, and they're looking for, for donations. Again, not, nothing wrong with that. On the local one, it can vary um, uh, due, to, due to size, due to their mission. Obviously, it has to be something that uh, you know, I feel is admirable. And sometimes there can't be, you know, again, it might be cutting a check, looking at something that they're working on. Some, uh, many have suffered during the uh, COVID uh, for various reasons. Um, a theater company working with here in uh, Roswell, of course, there was no, you couldn't gather. And then you was social distancing, one thing after another. So it's been very hard for the arts and cultural nonprofits to reemerge from the COVID. And there's some different business models. Mm-hmm. So setting a for, uh, forth a plan on, okay, how does one emerge? Uh, what's that succession planning look like in the new world order? So that's something I, I was helping with the local theater. Um, another one adapted very uh, quickly when the COVID sub, they were teaching and they were a little bit online and they were a lot in person. Mm. And uh, this is one that I've been helping for about three years now, actually, just as the COVID was starting. Now it's all online. And the cool thing about that was they went from 300 students. Uh, this is not a normal um, school. This is returning adults, learning uh, computer skills, resume writing, things like that. They went from 300 to 600. So it was a forced issue, and it was something that we navigated through. Okay, well, how can we do this? How can we execute while increasing? Also, how can we refurbish computers? So learning learning as we were going and adapting to the environment. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of times uh, people, businesses, nonprofits can't always adapt as quickly as they like or people give up. Right. Sometimes I think sometimes when you have just an outside person, myself, somebody else, maybe that's just one extra cheerleader to cheer them on, show them that, okay, you know, the light coming out <laughs> down, it's, it's, a good, it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, so, so what, what are the issues? I mean, I, I know nonprofits are like, uh, um, you know, businesses right. in the sense they that are. every one of them is different, they are. but, but they're all the same in a way. Right. Um, and if you've been a business owner, you know what I'm talking about, right? They all, they all need money. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's one thing in common, right? Uh, but, but, We'll get to that in a yeah. second, but uh, because I've got some specific yep. questions to ask about that. But um, what are some of the other issues that you see that nonprofits generally have that you can help with? Well, one of, one of them they run into is um, a little bit connected to the money, but they, they often have 
um, large plans, uh, I should say, more large thoughts, and dream, which is very good. But it has to be put together in a plan, uh, whether it's an overall strategic plan or the immediate uh, fundraiser that it may have. And time moves along very quickly, and they tend to miss that, and they miss milestones um, where things look good on paper when they start to jot them down, but then you ask, and I ran into this when – uh, or do this even when I consult for businesses. It's, you know, what about this and what about that? There's a lot of cause and effect. So to try to bring some reality, and I don't mind saying it. I mean, I've, I've had some boards and nonprofits. I remember uh, one not too long ago said, you're nothing but doom and gloom. And I said, I'm just trying to bring a reality. <laughs> but after we got through it, they said, "We, you know what? We needed a, we needed a dose of that. We need a dose yeah. of reality. And it's not to be critical, uh, something I learned, or we would say this at UPS, was we always want to be destruct- constructively dissatisfied. And that's just trying to find a better way to navigate. Mm-hmm. What might hold true today might not hold true tomorrow due to circumstances, better technology, might whatever it is. The other thing is also uh, the talent and the time. You've got a lot of well-meaning people, but not always do you have enough people to do the task at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to direct them a little bit better you form a committee on membership, form a committee on fundraising within the board right. to work with maybe that staff, just trying to organize a little bit better. I go back to the global supply chain. If you're going to move something from A to B or store it or however you're going, whatever the issue might be, you really have to have it laid out. And that doesn't mean it's chiseled in stone. There's adaptability, but it's something to work with. It's something that the whole group can agree to saying, yes, this makes sense. Right. And then as you're moving along, there might be something you didn't foresee, but at least you, you have something to work with and adapt to a lot quicker than just running around kind of, oh, my God, or canceling. A lot of times people will just say, we just can't do this. We've got to cancel the fundraiser or we have to cancel our expansion plans. And that's, and that's kind of sad. Uh, if there were sometimes better laid out plans, executed plans, things will happen. So Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, let's talk about the money piece. Now, I mean, everybody um, needs more money, and and there's nothing wrong with that because they've got a big mission. Correct. Right. Correct. Um, but what are the Im- what impediments to effective fundraising? Yeah, there's, uh, and everybody can do it, you know, different ways. Um, what often I find is uh, the more successful ones. Um, <clears throat> well communicated. Uh, many uh, people, whether they board members, friends of the nonprofit, that the word is out there, and also very clear communications on what the mission's about, when the dates are, and there's that the follow up. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had an extensive background in writing. I've published a lot, so I do that with a lot of the people. Let's let's look at your email blast. Let's look at what you're putting on social media. Let's do those kinds of things. So that's one of the things you got to get the word out and also try to control cost um, in that. So whether it's a, a golf outing, which is typical casino nights, various things to raise a lot of money, um, but really build a budget to that. A lot of times it's just, well, if we get X and we're going to have Y and it's all very good, but let's put it in paper. Is there historical content? Are there other, are there other nonprofits we could benchmark from that we've, we've seen something, we've known something again, mm-hmm. Are the existing board members, I'll, I'll draw on them, 
is that individual a board a member of another board that says, you know what, this is how we did something over here. And, and it, it actually works the best if they're unrelated because benchmarking against something that's compat, it's comparable is good. But if they're doing everything wrong, then you're going to do it wrong. So sometimes when you find another nonprofit <laughs> yeah. that's you know doing this and it's completely 180 degrees from what you're doing, that doesn't mean you can't learn from them on are they putting out annual reports? How are they how are they organizing to raise the money on a daily basis? Their yeah. website donate and also those periodic things when they have those big events to yeah. bring in the money um, and also keep raising awareness. If you can't raise a dollar, at least you can raise somebody's uh, knowledge of you. And maybe that individual or individuals or entity will contribute in the, in the, in the future. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense because uh, like in business, we, I don't remember the exact term, but we talk about how it takes 18 different times to solicit a, a client right before we get to yes or whatever, whatever the stat is. Yes. The, the point of it, uh, even though I'm butchering the quote is, is it takes time, right? It, it's in the and business exposure. sense, it would be, it's easier. It's harder to gain a new customer. So in yeah. this case, a new donor, right. Then it is to maintain the same one mm-hmm. and then maybe increase their involvement by, by being a board member themselves, increasing their donation, what, what have you. Yeah. But again, getting that awareness through the people that you've already won over that they believe in your cause, that they want to help your cause. Mm-hmm. Got it. And um, in this area, I mean, we have to, stand up and applaud this the North Fulton area in terms of just the generosity it's that trem- exists it's here. Right. Right. It, it is. It's a tremendous. Um, yes. I, I never run across anybody that no, I won't give. They always figure out a way. And if it's not money again, their talent, their time. Yeah. Very generous uh, people within North Fulton County. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about boards. Mm-hmm. for a second. And I want to go, come at this kind of two different ways. Um, sometimes the problem is not just necessarily within management. Sometimes it's board, mm-hmm. right? So talk about what you see there. <laughs> I have seen boards that get bored with each other and doing that. Mm. Um, and that can be frustrating. So I've seen two different, probably more, but two different things. So say one that uh, a nonprofit that has too many people on the board and sometimes the strategy is just wrong. They, they're adding board members for each of those board members to contribute and not really thinking about the mission and how to grow it right. a lot better. But within that, then can come complacency. If you have a board that's just too large or even too small, but if you have it too large, it's very easy to go, well, okay, after the board meeting, somebody took the notes and I don't think I have anything to really do. Right. And it's very, very easy. And this happened, uh, some, some boards and some nonprofits I'm involved with, um, happened during the, the COVID, uh, the pandemic, because things had kind of stopped government mandate, just because health issues from the CDC, whatever it might be. So there was a lot of complacency. Um, but I saw that even before that, it's very mm-hmm. easy to figure the other guy or gal on the board's going to do it. And what you really need is a vibrant board, a diverse board of age and backgrounds, all these kinds of things. But what they all have to have common is truly be engaged. It just can't be uh, a resume board member. Yeah, it has to be that they're engaged because by that inertia, it'll just it'll just spread. Um, the other is where you have um, a board that um, 
is not diverse in their talent, if you will. You know, you, you need somebody, let's say, to be the treasurer. To, I'm pretty good at doing the finances and all that, but, but I'm not a CPA. And I'd rather have a CPA. I'd rather have a treasurer, a bookkeeper, somebody who does this in their, uh, in their day-to-day to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and we need people just different to do things, the marketing, the, the fundraising, uh, the operations. I'm very good at that. I love doing that kind of stuff, writing the manuals, helping guide those people do that. You need a talent. Um, if we all knew everything, <laughs> you would only need a board member <laughs> of one. But I, I see it's the complacency. And the other thing, too, that I do see, it's more rare, but um, overreaching where it's like, let's do this, 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 and this. And I, and granted a lot, all these board, excuse me, all these nonprofits are out there because there's a need to serve in the community, but there's also only so much one can do and it's great to grow, but let's have a plan to do that. And let's just take care of, you know, what we can handle realistically going back to the money. You can't have a nonprofit operate at a loss they need to make money to do what they want to do mm-hmm. um and many people who run the boards again they 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 draw small salaries i'm talking about the you know when you have a husband wife team or, or one of them has done this um yeah it's it's it always does get back to the money but within that you can run things more efficiently more smoother uh again people who know people to help you in your overall cause but um, and also have a circulation of the board members. Some board members of some nonprofits that I've been on, board members have been around for eight years. And that's not a bad thing necessarily, but what happens again, it's, it's, it starts to slow down. You need that fresh blood. Or, you know, if you've been the, the marketing person, we need to put you on this other committee just to get different thoughts right. going. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. What, what's the, do you have any rule of thumb on that? I mean, what, what, what the, uh, a term limit of a board nonprofit they, board members should be. They, they, they can vary, but it's uh, common or I'll recommend people want to take it. They want is that you, it, once you're on a board, let's just whatever that position might be. And it can vary sometimes general board member to the executive committee, but for hard fast rule, I'll just say two years is a good time. One, two year term with the opportunity to then serve in that same position or on the board for another two years, but not go for a third term where you have to kind of give it a break, maybe step off the board. You could still be involved with that nonprofit and then come back again. It's the idea of trying to circulate the membership enough that you keep getting new talent. And again, I keep focusing on the talent, not necessarily the money that these individuals can bring in. And that really is what I think keeps things vibrant. If it's the same old group, uh, even within business, there's a tendency to say, you know, we're doing everything great. And you might be, but what happens is then suddenly the world changes and you're just not ready to make that change quick enough, or you're not getting those new ideas. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. Two years, (laughs) two years. Okay. Um, Let's talk to those business leaders out there who uh, are being solicited for a nonprofit board. Mm -hmm. What, what questions should they ask? This is a whole show, but, (laughs) but, but, but what, 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 I mean, the nonprofit to the, no, what, what what questions should that potential board member ask? Cause this is flattery and, you know, they're flattered to get asked. Right. And sometimes they've, don't ask the questions they should before they say yes. Right. 
Let's, right. let's get into what some of those questions should be. Yeah. Well, some uh, boards, uh, excuse me, some nonprofits, um, when they reach out for you, you by, by their name alone, you might not know exactly what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, would be what what do they do? Do you have some knowledge of them? Um, and then so there's that. There has to be that. And the other is, well, what do, what do they do? So mm-hmm. when you get beyond that, so I'll just say ABC theater company. Okay. You're a theater company. Um, you know, are you doing musicals? Are you doing play? So you go into that. And then of course that board member truly has to, I believe you have to <laughs> believe in that cause. You yeah. have to believe that you want to, and also can help. And I think that's also something of a question that, okay, you've reached for me nonprofit. What, what, did you see in me? And and most of these come about, well, we already have somebody on the board and uh, this individual says they know you, let's just say Jeff, and here's why. And they just, we wanted to talk to you. Okay, fair enough. I've turned some down myself to say, I don't know, uh, one, if I have the time, I believe in your cause, but now that I've listened to what you kind of already have in your repertoire of the board members, I'm not much, I don't know if I can add anything more. Right. Um, now again, if somebody says, you know what, but these two or three people are leaving the board for the, what I just mentioned, their term limits are up. Then there might be something um, like a question I'll ask is, well, how many people are on the board already? If the answer is, I'll just say a dozen versus two dozen, then it's like, okay, you're yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Those are, okay. Are you, like this, that's, that's becomes ineffective. So yeah. there's a personal thing in why are you asking and can I legitimately help again? It's not something to look for me anyway, to be just on my resume to say, wow, here's a board that you're on or you're the president of the board or whatever it might be. Um, and you also too, I think you have to do some due diligence. I know mm-hmm. with a lot of boards, excuse me, nonprofits, whether I'm board member or looking to something just to help them, I'll go out to the IRS website. I'll look for the 990s that they should file. Um, I'll look at those kinds of things on what and how are they running themselves, um, good, bad, or indifferent, but just to get learn more about them. So I can mm-hmm. ask the right questions and say, well, I noticed you ran into this or that or whatever it might be, um, just so I can also it, – it, no different than a job interview. If you went there, you would yeah. look into the company. You would look at – you would research it. And again, is this a good fit for me for the job I'm applying for at a company? Same kind of thing. You need me on the board. Okay, I'm flattered, but do you really need me on the board? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, no, all those good suggestions. What about talking to existing board members? Yes. Okay. Yes. In fact, even I know when I've gone out to recruit board members for a particular nonprofit, um, I might make the initial contact one way or the other, but I prefer in that I'll call it a second interview, if not already the first, to bring another board member along or or, or the director or, or CEO of that nonprofit to say, okay, here's why we came to you or you've come to us and let's try to vet that. And then if it passes that test, uh, our, our feeling of the individual and how they can contribute and are they sincere, so forth and so on, that – now you move it to the whole board to say, hey, here's this individual's resume. This is why they're interested on in being uh, on our board and helping us. And then you vet it, and then you vet it through for a vote to mm-hmm. um, to bring them into the board. And not everyone, not all, not everything always goes through that way, but most of them have, you know, because you do that vetting process to say, here's why we're bringing, you know, John Doe. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, Jeff, we're we're 
coming up on time, and I want to make sure we get to success stories where the, the that help illustrate the great work you're doing with nonprofits out there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, there's two that come to mind. One of them um, I mentioned just a moment ago was this um, teaching of um, legal immigrants to our country who are just learning um, uh, English as a second language, but trying to acclimate themselves into the workplace and uh, teaching them computer skills. And one of the things uh, when I joined them about three years ago, actually, uh, when the COVID was just starting, that was to, they needed an operations manual. And from that, they needed an employee handbook. So one of those things was just working with their new director and her and I via a lot of Zoom calls mm-hmm. pulled together. Here's, it was very rough in the beginning, just just enough to keep them going. Um, but taking then from that, uh, putting all that together, trying to recruit more people, and then moving from the in-person learning that they had done to now an online curriculum. So we're expanding the curriculum, expanding the resume writing, doing all those kinds of things. But we're putting together a plan that would be a six month in this case, with six months, a year, 18 months, so forth and so on, all the way to about three years, which now we're at, and we've already revised the plan that pull that together. Um, And then that's how we were able to increase from 300 students in person to 600 students. Mind you, while you could... It could, I guess it would be an infinite number online. Um, the thing that's a restriction was also we had to also solicit um, old computers because every student to this agency gets a refurbished computer. Oh, wow. Which cost about $100 to refurbish. So mm-hmm. we're trying to solicit money. We're trying to get the computers. But we did it very successfully. Huge team to do it, maybe about a dozen people. Um, but well-organized. Uh, we had hiccups, no doubt. But we were learning from our mistakes, and we were adapting as we were going. So that's one success story on just teaching people computer basics that yeah. a lot of times we take for granted. These are new. And right now, a lot of them, they have jobs. They've learned English. They've become U.S. citizens. That's probably one of the most that, that I'm very proud to 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 support and work with these people, to bring in um, new people to the United well, They're already here, but to make them U.S. citizens, and very yeah. productive U.S. citizens. Another one, uh, one of the local theaters here. A lot of issues going on because you couldn't you couldn't have productions, you couldn't gather due to social distancing. So how to keep it running? Um, and there were a lot of challenges. Uh, government money was running out, but started organizing ourselves and thinking about okay, what's the future? Um, when uh, the city contract runs out, and then to move stayed is their hybrid model um and some of those are still being worked out but in the last two years one of the things was there was a fright when i initially joined will it have to close and uh by good work from the director uh the city um and also the um uh, the board members were able to keep it operational keep it going to this day entering a new season moving in um um, even into a new uh, new theater house. So um, a huge success story when uh, you thought you might have to fold the doors. Oh, yeah. Um, and some others that have been on a smaller scale where it just kind of it's been a cur- curtailing back due to the uh, little bit less fund uh, funds that were coming in in uh, 2021 um, and a little bit in 2022. But as we're merging now in 2023, 
getting the lessons learned moving forward. None of the nonprofits uh, that I'm aware of that either I work with or I'm on a board with or just associate with, with, uh, you know, people from the chamber have had to close their doors. They've just had to rethink the past years, the current year and moving forward into uh, 2024. Wow. Great work folks from Jeff Fisher. He's a nonprofit consultant, uh, also a business owner here in the North Fulton area. Uh, Jeff, this has been great. And I, you're I doing, yeah, you're uh-huh. doing terrific work out there and uh, we're delighted we could celebrate, shine a light on that work and um, uh, get that better known. For those that want to know more about you, learn um, how you can help, be in touch, how can they do that? Yeah, a number of ways. I don't mind. Uh, I'm on uh, LinkedIn, and so it's uh, Jeff with a J, and then it's Fisher, F-I-S-C-H-E-R. You can find me. Always send me a message through LinkedIn. You could also text me, call me if you'd like, 678-643-5678 on my cell. Um, and even um, uh, uh, email, um, O-H-S-C-L-A-S-S-79, the number 79, at yahoo.com. And, uh, yeah, reach out. Um, and I find that, too. It's easier. If, if people want to reach out for me and discuss something, I'm happy to sit down and discuss versus me reaching out for them. Um, uh, not everybody wants unsolicited advice, but I do get a lot of people coming to me and I'm happy to sit down and have a one-to-one with somebody and talk about the needs they might have with their nonprofit. Right. Yeah. That sounds, sounds like a great offer. So, uh, mm-hmm. keep up the good work, Jeff. Thanks again for coming in. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hey folks, just a uh, quick reminder. If you've got, uh, we talked about dysfunction in nonprofits, well, you know, they, they happen in your business too. And, uh, we all know this. If you're a business owner, you know that you have administrative tasks and bookkeeping and other issues that you really need someone else to straighten out for you. So you can spend time on the other items in your business that are more essential, but like your customers, you like your prospective customers, office angels can help. Uh, they're, they've got a whole team of angels that have, uh, varying expertise in all these uh, categories, administrative tasks, bookkeeping, marketing, etc. cetera. Uh, they do fantastic work. And I know this myself because I couldn't run my business without them. Um, give S.E. Escobedo a call. She's the chief executive angel there, 770-442-9246, or go to officeangels.us to learn more. You'll be glad you did, I promise. And uh, a couple quick items, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, I've got a book coming out later this year. It's called The Price and Value Journey, Raising Your Confidence, Your Value, and Your Prices Using the Generosity Mindset Method. Uh, Do later in the year. Go to pricevaluejourney.com to learn more. I have a link to the podcast of the same name. Uh, Subscribe, all that good stuff. If you have questions, uh, feel free to send me a note, and thank you for your support there. Speaking of thank you for your support, we are coming up on our seven-year anniversary of this show. We've we've passed now 650-some episodes. We've only gotten this far because of you and your support, and you continue to share the show when you find a business leader that uh, has a message you want to get passed on to a colleague or a friend or uh, another business fellow business owner. Uh, continue to do that, please. We really appreciate that. Um, 
It helps us fulfill our mission of being the voice of business in North Fulton. It also helps shine the light on business leaders that whose work, like Jeff's, deserve to be found. So thank you for helping us live into that mission. So for my guest, Jeff Fisher, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.